This morning, for just a few minutes, I want to leave a deposit with you. We'll talk about who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It's a question that Jesus asked Peter. And in reality, it's a question that comes to each of us, maybe not directly from the Father's mouth, but certainly uh, in one form or the other. If you're ever going to be effective in ministry, you're going to have to be able to answer the, answer the question, who do you say that I am? Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, who do men say that I am? And they were all willing to answer that question. Well, some say you're, and some say you're this. And the truth of it is, if you're going to be an effective minister under the new covenant, you are no longer going to be able to parrot what someone else says, but you're going to have to spend enough time with, with the Father and, uh, to be able to say, but, the, but this is who you are. This is who I say that you are. So, do you hear the rain? It'll get louder before I'm done. Matthew 16, 13. Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am, that I the son of man am? And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? This is the King James Version. Josh's version would be, but what y'all call me? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. He did not call him Peter there for a reason. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And, they, and I say also unto you that you are Peter, the rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the reading of your word. I pray, Lord, for the next few minutes or so that you put me on like a coat and wear me, Father, that I would open my mouth and speak and it would be my mouth but your voice because your voice brings life. And we know that, that the time is coming and now is that the dead are going to hear the voice of the Son of God and all that hear will live. And I pray life upon everyone that hears your voice through the Son this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Jesus says unto him, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Simon Barjona, but my Father which is in heaven. It's not ironic that he called him that because Simon means hearing and Barjona means son of Jonah and Jonah means the dove. Jesus is revealing a mystery right here. This is pre-cross, this is pre-resurrection, this is pre-ascension, this is pre-coronation. Jesus is saying this, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter was able to hear a, and receive a download directly from the Father. And the reason that Peter recognized the voice is because he lived with him and walked with him and talked with him. The reality is, is every, Jesus is the Word of God. The Bible says, and the Word was made flesh. And because the Word was made flesh, you can say it this way, Jesus Christ was everything the Father ever wanted to say about himself. Because for so many years, prophets tried to describe him, and yet they only saw in part. But when the fullness came, and the Bible says in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, when the fullness comes, then that which is in part will be done away with. 
And so what, is, what we're seeing is all the little parts and fragmented pieces that we had seen of God is fulfilled in the full revelation of God which comes through the life of his son, Jesus Christ, my God. And Jesus would be one that would say, don't curse your enemies, but bless your enemies. Do good unto them which despitefully you. He would even say things like this. You have heard it said by those of old time. An eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth. But I say he drew a direct and distinct contrast between what would be revealed under the new covenant and what they had always celebrated under old covenant. I mean, this was challenging for people that for thousands of years had believed that their entrance or their way into relationship with God was by doing or not doing something. And Jesus has said, it has nothing to do with keeping laws. The approach is you come to the Father by me. You're really quiet this morning. That's a good thing. See, I'm growing. Simon means hearing. And Jonah, bar Jonah, son of Jonah means dove. Hearing, dove, we know in the scriptures that the dove is typical of the spirit. And so we know when he says Simon bar Jonah, he says, you've heard me. You've heard the spirit directly speak to you. Literally the rock upon which the church, the new covenant church, will be built is in your ability to hear and trust the voice of God within. Parents, the most powerful thing you will ever teach your child, the, the most powerful thing that you will ever teach your child is to hear and trust the voice of God within them. There's not anything more powerful you do. And you say, well, my kid's already 27. We'll start now. That's okay to start now. To hear and to trust the voice. It must have been weird for Peter, but Peter had a reputation for doing things that the other 11 wouldn't do. For instance, Peter was perfectly willing to step out of a boat onto water. When that doesn't happen, that's not possible, and it only ever happened one time, and that was five minutes earlier when Jesus came out to him walking on the water and says, Peter, come unto me. All the disciples wanted to impress Jesus with what they thought they knew about him and what someone else said about him. But he says, but what do you say? And when he said, what, who do you say that I am? They all held their peace. And Peter, feeling something stirring within, Peter, feeling a fire in his bones, says, I say this. You're the, I mean, that takes boldness. It takes boldness to look into, into hollow eyes and say, I command you to see. It takes boldness to look at someone who's never heard before. In 2016, Jacob and I were in India, and we left the service. A few of you have heard this. We were walking out the landing, out the side of the door, so that we could have some peace because they'll just throng you for hours. And a little deaf boy and his friend met me outside and said, will you pray for this deaf kid? And Jacob grabbed my iPad and said, I'm getting this. Started videoing, and I said, yes. I said, I'm going to put my fingers in your ear. I'm going to curse the spirit of infirmity out of your body. I'm going to call the virtue of the risen living Christ in your body, and you'll be fine. So let me know when you hear. Put my fingers in his ear and said, come out. Now, that takes boldness. If you've never done it before, you probably might not even believe that it can happen. But I can tell you, I've got it on video. You can watch it. You can ask my son, who was, what, 12 or 13 at the time. Now he's 16 what he saw. And I said, I stepped back from the little boy, and he was at the edge of it. And I said, now, tell, tell your friend. Turned him around. I said, tell your friend when I snapped my finger to raise his hand, cover his left ear. He covers his left ear. Snapped it like that, just like Thanos. I hear, I hear. I said, now cover his other ear. The boy went crazy. I said, are you good? I'm going home to get some rest. That takes boldness. Well, how did you do that? Well, I didn't. I didn't. I'm a pitcher. And what I'm full of is what I can pour out. 
Some of you are so full of something, you need to pour it out, but you need to... <laughs> You need to take that to the bathroom, pour it out, and get filled up with the Spirit because whatever you're full of is what you can release. You can only release what you have within. So if you fill yourself up with time with the Spirit and time with, the, time with Father, listening to what He has to say, then when you open your mouth, it is, it is natural for what you've heard to come out of you. And so what Peter says is, I say you're the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the long-awaited Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. Not the, war, not the war God, not the mean God, not the one that kills his enemies. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you. He ain't bothering me. He's preaching with me. That boy is preaching with me. My God, if there's ever been a boy born for that, you're looking at him. Parents, the most important thing you will teach your children is to hear and trust. I told you it would get louder. The voice of God within. It's foundational to your new covenant walk. You say, well, I don't know what his voice sounds like. For me, my, for me, the father's voice sounds a lot like my father. My natural daddy. For my children, when they hear and they've told, when they hear the voice of the father, when the spirit speaks inside of them, a lot of the times he sounds just like me. And that's because they learned their relationship with Heavenly Father because they had a good relationship with natural Father. Now, herein lies the issue. We live in a society where fathers aren't even celebrated anymore. Fathers aren't celebrated anymore. The family unit has been so warped and so destroyed and so pulled apart. I'm not, if, I know there are people in this church that are in single parent homes. I'm not taking shots at you, but what I'm telling you is the idea that God had was that little boys and girls would learn the voice of father through their daddy. My hat's offered to every single mother in this place that have had to fill roles that you, you were never called to have to fill. God loves you, God bless you, and you're doing double time and you deserve double the credit. I'm not taking shots at you, but the original pattern was for daddy to reveal the voice of father. <laughs> Amen. No wonder there's such an attack on the family. But when I hear the voice of my father speak, he sounds like Tony Bunton. And Tony Button sounds like God, as Kelly Varner said, with a southern drawl. My daddy had a thick accent, so God talked like this. <laughs> to Peter, the spirit that spoke within him from Father sounded just like Jesus. And so he recognized the voice, and he said, you must be the voice of the Father because it sounds like the voice of Jesus that I've been living with for three years. So it's easy for me to step out of boldness and say, I say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not necessarily revelational, but it is revolutionary if you'll receive it into your, into your belief system. And the way that this is developed is through relationship and listening. It was natural for Peter to recognize Father's voice because he had spent so much time with Jesus. Because Father looks and sounds like Jesus, and Jesus looks and sounds like the Father. Jesus was the Father's selfie. I put it on Facebook a few weeks back when the Lord spoke it to me. If the Father was going to take a selfie and you had a portrait of Jesus, they would be the exact same picture. Do you remember when he sat with his disciples one day and he said, I'm going to the Father and where I go, you can't come now, but later you're going to come. And you know the way. And they said, well, we don't even know where you're going. How do we know the way? And he says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. But what does the Father look like? And Jesus says, have I been with you? 
so long and you don't know what the Father, you don't recognize me? You don't know what the Father looks like? The fa he essentially was saying, he was insinuating the Father looks like me, like the one that says forgive your enemies and do good unto them. He said it last night, if a man breaks into your house and steals your coat, give him, or steals your shirt, give him your coat too. Now does that sound anything like a God that's gonna burn him up in, etern in eternal fire and torment? Just wanna challenge you a little bit. Don't throw tomatoes, throw money. Does it? I have no problem challenging a belief system that is a belief system only because it's what we've always heard and not because there's either been two things, one of an exhaustive study done and secondarily, the spirit has to breathe on the word to bring life to it. And if the spirit doesn't breathe life on the word and you believe it, you have no right. I'm not taking shots for the sake of taking shots. I'm telling you, this is a reality. And what we've done is we've substituted anointing for performance. And we've substituted truth for long-held belief systems. And before you build a new house, a lot of times you've got to tear a whole bunch of old junk down. <laughs> I'm in a tearing down mood today. I like to build up, but I'm a, and here's some things I want to tear down. If you think that God is a retributive God, you really don't understand anything about him. He's not retributive in nature, he's restorative in nature. The Bible says that God, he wasn't wrecking Jesus. The Bible says he was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world back unto himself. Let me ask you, at, at the picture of the cross, we see Jesus and we see the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders that wanted him crucified, and we see Roman soldiers. In whom do you see Father revealed? Because most of Christianity will say that Father's attitude was revealed in the Roman soldiers that were driving the nails through his hands. Was God found in the Roman soldiers killing Jesus? Oh man, it's getting real tight, but it's getting real right. That was for my Florida friends. And Jakin, he brought that thing up here. Mike and right and night. I told him last night, good night. Where was he found? Was he found in the Sanhedrin that were saying it would be better that one man died than for a whole country? What they didn't want to have happen was they didn't want their church messed up by this revolutionary preacher that's saying, no, not eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but forgive your enemies. This was revolutionary. And the revolutionary revelation of Jesus was that he is our father. That's what Brennan Manning says, or said, and his voice still speaks. So where, or is it possible that the only place you can find Father found is in the man whose blood is dripping from a cross saying, Father, forgive them. He wasn't begging God to forgive him as if he was twisting his father. He was saying, I only say what I hear my father say. And I only do what I see my father do. So when he cried out, Father, forgive them, it was only because he knew the heart of the father was reconciliation. I want to forgive them. The father did not need to be reconciled back to mankind but man, because he never left his first estate. He was always in the garden waiting and his voice was still walking every single day, waiting for communion with his sons and daughters. I preached a message a year ago, come with me to the garden. You wanna find the voice of God? His voice is in his garden. It always has been, it always will be. And the imitation is, come. The, 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 the message of Jesus Christ is not, was not, and will never be, live good so you can get a mansion after you die. 
The message of Jesus Christ was also never, if you don't live right, you get to go to Dante's Inferno for an eternity. That does sound like a just God, right? To destroy man with eternal conscious torment for a decision he made in a 40 to 70 to 80 year lifespan. Or does that sound like God? Oh God, it got real tight right then. I wanna challenge your beliefs. Don't believe what I'm saying because I'm saying it. I want you to go and say, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me. And begin to open up your book and begin to open up the Bible and begin to open up your, and study and see, wait a minute, does this match with the heart of the Father? Because if it doesn't match with the heart of the Father, then it deserves to be challenged. And it's exactly what Jesus did. And a lot of you have the same feeling, I think, towards me that they had when he said it. Like, what did he say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Moses said, eye for an eye. Are you telling me you're challenging what Moses said? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because the, God always removes the old and fulfills the old to establish the new. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. It was fulfilled, and he established a new covenant. He said, tell you what, you can do two things. If you do these two things, you don't have to worry about all the other stuff. And they said, what's that? He said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they said, well, we don't know what that looks like. He said, I thought you might say that. So here's how you do it. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the worship looks like a cross. Vertically, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But horizontally, it's, which, and the way you do that, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Don't render evil for evil, but good for evil. Do good unto them that despitefully use and abuse you. Crazy, revolutionary, radical. And we're living two plus thousand years later, and I say it in modern Christianity, and there are still people saying, no, that ain't the word. Oh yes, that is the word, he is the word. Let me tell you something. The Bible must always bow to the, the written word will always bow to the rhema word. And Jesus is the word that the Bible speaks about. Do I believe in the infallibility of the word? If you're asking me if Jesus is the word, then absolutely. Jesus is infallible. Oh, man. Absolutely. I believe in the infallibility of the Word of God, but I believe that the true Word of God is what John said in the beginning was not the Bible, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Have you ever read it? It's John. You might want to look at John chapter 1. That's even from your King James Bible. That's a direct quote. And it challenges what we say. I'm not, look, I love this. I don't have my, my Bibles on my desk because it's my father's Bible. And there's so many notes, so many highlights that it falls apart. So it stays back there with the warning, don't touch this Bible lest you surely die. <laughs> I love it. I love to open it. I love to open the scriptures. But we must understand, listen. Let me say it this way. The Bible is polyphonic. That's the best word I can think of. The Bible, the Bible is polyphonic, which means many voices. There are many voices that are, and, and it's, it's you, you can't read the Bible simply linearly. You have to see it for what it is. And it's men's experiences of God. And if their experiences in the Old Testament, although wonderful, and we can learn from them, and they are good, if they had been enough, Jesus would not have to come and be manifested. But the truth of it is, the word was polyphonic until Jesus came, and the Bible says, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. My question is, is he a part of the Godhead or did the Godhead exist in him? 
Because the scripture says, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Go read your Bible. He is the full and perfect expression. He literally is everything that the Father had ever wanted to say about himself. If they had gotten it all right back then, I gave an example last week. It was probably a poor example. I wish I could remember the metaphor about the elephant. There's a metaphor. Of the, have you read this before? Have you heard this before? There's a man that peeps into a hole. I'm going I'm to butcher it, but I'll give you the, the, the essential elements of it. He looks, peeps through a hole to see an elephant. He sees the tail of an elephant. And it's, it's a poem. And he says, oh, okay. An elephant is long and skinny like a snake. That crazy? And then another one peeks through and sees, and sees that he's, he's got a you know, big fat belly. He says, oh, an elephant is the thing with just a big, and the truth of it is, all of these men saw in part, looking through a little peephole, and all of it was kind of true, but none of it was fully true. Because an elephant is not skinny. Right. If you were to look through a peephole through the profile of my father's face when he was still alive and you saw his sideburns, you would say, oh, Tony Bunton has white hair. And that is true. He did have some white hair, but he was very proud of his chestnut brown, whatever that is, hair that was on his head. And if you didn't see the hair on his head, you could truly say, I saw Tony Bunton and I saw that he's a white-headed man and that would be utterly not true. Because although he has some elements of white hair, that was, it was strictly here on his side. The man shaved 18 times a day. He kept an electric razor in his car and driving down the road. Crazy about it. So he only had sideburns. He had the Elvis burns. Had handlebars at one time. And he had the, the hair that he combed also 18 times a day. Kept a comb in his back pocket. Right beside the bundle of keys, 978 keys that were attached to his belt loop. When he preached, it would jingle, and all of the kids were like, my God, take the thing off. This is embarrassing. And he would say stuff like, do I look embarrassed, church? If another one looked through and only saw, and only saw his hair and say, oh, Tony, Tony Bunton has black hair because it, in certain lights it did look black. And that would be kind of true, but not really the truth. In reality, the point is made in the old covenant, what they saw all was in part. But when that which is fullness, when that which is perfect has come, which he did come, his name is Jesus Christ the righteous, then that which, which, which is in part is done away with. And so the only lens through which we can properly see, understand, and come to revelation with Father is the life of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, period. And using any other lens, you will only get a partial picture, but you will not get the full picture. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, that's why Peter said, I say you're the Christ, the son of the living. I say you're the Messiah. He, he was literally saying, I say you're the one that Moses spoke of. You're the one that came out of God's mouth when he made covenant with Abraham and said, in your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. You're the one that he spoke about. He, he was literally saying all the law and the prophets were speaking to you. Everything that we believed, they were all pointing to you. I say you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh, flesh and blood didn't give this to you. My Father which is in heaven. If I were down there, I'd be like, my God, Josh is preaching today. <laughs> Sometimes I just have to. When we see him for, oh, let me, let me, let me finish the scripture. I'm going to read it now, and I believe this is from the message. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? 
they replied. Some think he's John the baptizer. Excuse me. Some say Elijah and some Jeremiah are one of the other prophets. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who, of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. Because, oh, man, I like that. Because when you get a vision and when you get a revelation of who God really is, for the first time, you might see yourself for who you really are. Oh, man. I know a lot more about myself today than I did with, was as a child. And looking back retrospectively on the life of my father, there are things that I do that I got by DNA that I didn't know that I did. And so I look back and say, my God, that looked like Tony Bunton. My God, that sounded like this. Some good and some bad. Shh, don't say the true part. There are things in my genetic code that I do, mannerisms and th that, I have, that I didn't necessarily try to mimic that are a part of me because of who my father is. And I can see it a lot more clearly at 41. You didn't believe that, did you? Some of you thought I was lying when I said 41. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a story. I told a couple of my friends, I'm gonna tell you a story. I was coaching my soccer team. Jason's, who's gonna turn nine in three days. Oh, this is Happy Cinco de Mayo, by the way. So in two days, Jason turns nine. I was coaching his soccer team and all these kids I, that I adore, and we're a good team. We beat teams like 13 to one. Well, don't you have mercy? I did say one. <laughs> we let them score one. Jason had four goals on Saturday. Last week, we're exercising, stretching the kids out so they don't pull muscles. I don't know if kids can pull muscles, but I found out the hard way adults can pull muscles because I played football with my nephews and my sons on Thanksgiving and absolutely blistered them until... I pulled my hammy. Not Miami, my hammy. I literally felt like my hamstring attached to my buttocks tore, and I looked like a 97-year-old man struggling off the football field. And I said, Lord, what is this? I have never experienced this before. My nephew celebrated like they had just won the Super Bowl because it was their only prayer of winning the game. Isn't it true, Jacob? You should have said, preach, Josh. Preach, Uncle Josh. We're stretching out, and I, you know, I stretch with the kids. One of the kids wasn't stretching well, and the little girl named Brianna, she's probably my favorite kid besides Jason on the team, she says, come on, guys, you can do better than this. Look, coach is doing it, and he's at least in his 50s. <laughs> and I said, whoa, what? Stand up, everybody, now. His 50s? I said, how old do you think I am? She said, coach, you got to be in your 50s. There's white in your beard. As God is my witness, that night I went home, and my daddy's old razor, boy, I had it going. I was going to town on it going to town on it. And I asked the other kids, I said, what, how, I'm not 50, how old do y'all think they are? And then one kid said, well, you got six kids, but I'd say 25. And I said, you don't have to run. <laughs> and Jason's like, my daddy's 41, which is true, happily 41. Happy to be 41, can't wait to be 50. Can't wait to be, when I'm 70, I'm still gonna be dunking on my boys. It might be a six foot goal, but I'm dunking on you. And you, and you. David says, we'll see. They think they can block me. It hadn't worked out for them so far, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, 41. 41 feeling good. 41, a new covenant son of God, just like you are. Feel great. You know, it seems to me like if you're really filled with his spirit, the Bible says that uh, the same spirit dwells in you that quickened Christ from the dead. He'll quicken even your mortal bodies. 
quicken your mortal bodies. Wait a minute, you're talking about this old flesh that we say is evil. Your flesh is not evil. What is evil is the carnal mindset that says that your flesh is evil. Flesh itself, this is just skin, man. Listen to me. Listen to it. Your skin is not evil. Your body, your muscles are not evil. And a lot of you stay sick because you believe, well, this old carnal flesh. Well, that's not the same thing. Carnality speaks of an Adamic mindset that says, I'm not enough. I was naked because I was afraid, so I hid. That's carnality. But your flesh isn't evil. If your flesh is so evil, why would you spend 47 minutes this morning putting makeup on it, trying to make it look better? Thank you for doing it, by the way. As my dad used to say, he was really nice about it. If the barn needs some paint, slap it on there. I think women have an unfair advantage over men because I can tell you right now, if a man comes through wearing makeup, we're going to have prayer before service starts for that guy. Can I preach? Am I preaching? <laughs> Not really. I'm just talking right now. Jesus came back, God bless you, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. The revelation of who he is will always bring a revelation of who you are. And a lot of people are not effective in the kingdom because they don't know who they are, but they can't know they, who they are unless they know where they came from. And you come from God. Let me just clear it up. You are Peter a rock. This is the rock upon which I'll build my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more, somebody should have said amen. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is now a yes in heaven, my God. And a no on earth is now a no in heaven. Good Lord. He swore the disciples of secrecy and made them promise they would tell no one he was the Messiah. When he see him for who he really is, he in turn reveals to us who we really are. Identity is intrinsically, intrinsically tied to DNA. Who you are is determined by whose you are. What? My father is the creator. You talking about the father that said, let there be light, and he did not take some obsolete matter and create light, there was nothing, Tiana, for him to create from. So when he said, let there be light, the light existed within him. It literally was propelled up from his belly, out his mouth, and light became as virtue of, my God. He created light. It came from his belly. When he said, let there be light, he didn't take a bulb, and he didn't take some matter and create light. No, it was within him. And the same is true about you. You are born creators, and you don't know it. You're living so far under your, but, but I know there are sons and daughters that are beginning to wake up to the fact that I'm made in his image and after his likeness, and that means I have the right, the responsibility, and the opportunity to create. And in fact, you have been creating. You create your world with your words in the same way that God created this word, world with his word. There are certain character traits that I carry as a result of being Tony Button's son. Some are good and some we're not going to talk about. You feel me? You feel me, dog? <laughs> there are things I say that sound like him. There are looks that I give that at times, Rachel, last night, Seth and I were talking right back there. And Rachel asked me something and I gave a little bit of a sarcastic answer. And she dropped the eyes and said, said my God, that was Elizabeth. I said, I know. She got a double dose. Bless her heart. For those of you that don't know Elizabeth, Elizabeth gives looks that mean things depending on who interprets what the look is. I probably know better than anybody when you should, you know, say, oh, it's sweet or you should run for cover. <laughs> yeah, that's one that says run for cover. You should not have said that. 
Finishing up. The keys to the kingdom are given upon our hearing and proclaiming what the Father reveals. And he is always revealing the Son by his Spirit. I think I'm going to pass through some of this. Hmm. I, want to, I do want to say this. Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church. Upon the rock, Peter was actually the little pebble. That's what his name means. He was not talking about Peter, and he certainly did not build the Catholic church that day. Peter was not the first pope and all that bunch of nonsense. He was saying the rock upon which my church is built is the ability to hear the voice of Father for yourself and what the Father says about the Son. And he says, and the gates of hell, I want you to think about this, will not prevail. And most people think that means demons of hell or devil. No, gates of hell, which means if, what is a gate intended to do? Keep things out or possibly keep them in. And so if the, if, if the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against us, Rob, it sounds to me like Jesus saying, my church will be on the offensive. My church is going to storm the gates of hell, blast open those gates of hell, preach the place clean, and walk out alive. And indeed, not only did he preach it, Jesus did it. Remember I preached, oh death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Jesus literally walks into hell. He preaches the place clean. He walks out. He brings all of captivity with him. He has the keys of death and hell. And the Bible says that many of the prophets were seen walking around in Jerusalem. Why do we never preach that part? The truth of it is Jesus preached hell clean and he put his church on assignment and put in their belly the same fire to storm the gates of hell. I'm doing it this morning. You probably didn't know that's what I've been doing for 45 minutes. To storm the gates of hell, one of the gates of hell is religiosity. One of the gates of hell is traditions of men. And I've been kicking them as hard as I can this morning. And I will not apologize and I will not stop. We will storm the gates of hell. We will storm the gates of religion. We will storm the gates of traditions of men and say, no, you're free. Your sons, your daughters, he's alive. Look, he's risen. And so are you. Come out of this place. Come out of captivity. Come out of death. Come out of hell. Walk away from the grave. You are free. But they can't be free until the church goes on the offensive and refuses to stand for status quo. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We've had people in this church, in this church building, that have come to know the love of God. One of the most powerful sayings I've ever heard in my life was, they belonged before they believed. A lot of people don't like that saying. They belonged before they believe. It's another way of saying you were a son before you came to realization that you were a son. You were a daughter before you came to the real. They belonged before they believe. We have people in this church that have known the love of God for six or seven or eight or weeks or two months or four months. And they're so on fire and they don't even know what the fire is, but they can't stop burning with it. And it's because there have been a, a company of people that said, I refuse to leave them burning in that hell of lies, in that hell of religion. One in particular had gone to a bunch of churches and said, man, I can't go there. I'm bored in churches. All I ever hear is how bad I am. Half the churches turn me away because of the way I look. Half the other churches find out what I've done in my past and they turn me away. And I looked at this person and said, you'll never be turned away. I don't even care if you ever come to my church. Now, that, that, that's probably not a good thing for a pastor to say. But I, I don't care if you come to my church. I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to love you just like you are right where you are. Yeah. 
And, and this in particular person, it took me a year, almost two years, a year and eight months to cultivate a relationship enough for this person says, now just come check you out. He did it as a favor to me, although I never invited him to the church. If he opened it up, I say, man, you can come anytime. But I always said, but if you don't come to the church, man, we're still friends. You know, I'm not coming here to see you so that you'll come to my church. That's manipulation. You don't need that. The guy shows up one day and cries the whole service. He said, man, I don't even know what happened to me today. I cried like a baby. I ain't, never, I ain't cried in 16 years. And I said, well, just fasten your safety belt because it gets better than that. That is storming the gates of hell. That's looking at people and say, I challenge you to prove to me why you believe that a God that says forgive your enemies is going to burn his up in, in hell forever. I just want to challenge you to go look into it. Don't believe me. And if you don't believe what I say and you come to a disagreement, I'm going to love you. I'm cool. I do not feel like I've necessarily arrived to know all things, but I have the one inside of me that knows all things. And when the ancient of days gets down inside of you, you get wisdom of the ages that you'd never even learned. It's a download. What's the afterlife look like? I don't care. I don't need to care about the afterlife. What I want to know is what does today look like? Can I live today? Can I love my wife better? Can I love my kids better? Can I serve my community better? We're so caught up in the afterlife that we're no good right here. Well, one day you're going to heaven and one day you're going to hell. One day, I don't care about one day. I don't care about some glad morning. What I know is when I wake up in the morning, is there going to be a spirit to greet me? Am I going to be able to love my family? Where I'm going to be able to influence culture because I've been changed by this spirit and by this man that I call Jesus the Christ. And if not, I'm completely and utterly missing the point. Jesus' ministry was not to get you somewhere when you die. His ministry was to bring you back into perfect communion with the Father. Period. His voice is in the garden. He's still calling, come. You know what he said? You know what, you know what I hear the Lord saying this morning? Come create with me. Come create with me. I think that some, I think that God is so sovereign. I heard Bill Johnson say this. God is so sovereign that he's okay with sometimes looking as though he's not. I think maybe sometimes the Lord hides from his own mind what your answer is going to be when he says, Rob, what do you think about this? So that he can actually enjoy and engage me and say, Father, what if we did it this way? Oh, that's a great idea, Rob. When my little daughter, Rachel, when I ask them, when they talk to me, I get on one knee, at least I try to, and I want to look them face to face, and I want to engage with them. And I probably know what their answer is going to be. Well, not Jason. I never know what his answer is going to be. That's scary. Did he stay with Was he okay last night? Was it? No, Rachel stayed with you. Everything was good? She was cool? Yeah. She's a trip. She got a double dose of this one in her. So you never know which one you're getting, but it's all good. And I look down and get in his face. I want to hear what he has to say. I like to think about the way that their minds work, not having been corrupted from 20 or 30 years of living disillusioned in this world. It amazes me. And I think sometimes the Lord wants to know, how does your mind work? And then he'll say, well, Rob, what would you like to create? Let's do this. And you say, Father, I would like to create a group, and I don't even know what it's called, and I don't know what it looks like, but maybe we just go from place to place and just sit around and just, just become aware of your presence and let your glory come in whichever way. And nobody gets credit, but you get glory. And the Father says, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Let's do that. Let's start it in Florida, but let's not keep it in Florida because it's going to have to go from state to state. And then it's going to have to go from country to country. And that's why you can't take a position in a church because you take a position in a church, you're tied to a church. But that, the fact that you're not tied to anything means I can send you. When I say go, you're going to get up and go. Am I prophesying enough? 
You're a, you're a lit torch. And what you've done is you've taken the fire that's within you and you've begun to light other torches. And so now there's not one torch, there are multiple torches. And that way, when I say you go south, you can say to the other one, but you go north because we're going to cover this entire territory because people are going to come to the knowledge of the truth that God is for you, that God is good, that God loves you, that his mercy endures forever. There you go for your forever people. His mercy endures forever. How does that work with your annihilation theory? Can be. She, she, you need, you're in timeout. Just think on these things. What is the nature of Father if not what Jesus reveals through the Son? And you never see him being retributive. The only people Jesus ever had an issue with were religious hypocrites that thought they knew everything and wanted to manipulate and control God's people. And even for those guys, he had mercy. He wasn't always the nicest. I mean, he called them snakes and vipers. And they were. They were possessed by the same serpent that was, that was influenced in the garden that told Eve, hath God said, did he really say this? You ever go to a place where a man stands up and says, you have to do this, and you have to say this, and you have to keep these laws to approach God? You, that is your cue to get out of there. No, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. So look at me. Remember he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Not just not heavy, light. His burden is revelation. My yoke is easy. My burden is to reveal to you who you are. And I'm going to do that by revealing to you who I am. When you see me as I am, you're going to be like me, for you're going to see me as I am. Remember the scripture that says, when we all behold him, we will become like him, for we'll see him as he is. That's not talking about Jesus coming out of the eastern sky on a cloud, on a fluffy cloud. That might happen. I hope it does. I mean, it'd be great. It's talking about when you see him as he is, then you can become like him because you understand, oh, this is what you're like. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Boy, this is, this, is, this is a big old stake to chew into today. It's true. I, can't, I, can't, I can no longer not be on the... Look, I need to be... You heard me last night. I need to be in Africa. Elizabeth will tell you, on a daily basis, I've got three or four... I've, I've, I've got a million people in one, one church waiting for me to come to Pakistan and preach. Elizabeth does not like that one so much. <laughs> I need to go to India. I've got, country, uh, I've got uh, churches across the country of India waiting for me to come. I can't do that until I can convince you to walk into your destiny and be who you are. And so I don't have time to waste anymore. I've just got to, be, I've just got to attack the gates of hell. I've got to preach. I've got to declare. I've got to do what I've got to do. This is not going to be a one-man show, church. It never has been. It certainly ain't going to be now. But until I'm utterly convinced that you're okay with God being good, and you're okay with Father being good, and you're okay with seeing yourself as God sees you, then I can't go there, and I need to go. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to free up your mind. You're going to have to free up your heart and begin to believe the truth about yourself. So if it has to be services like this that help you do it, then that's fine. Don't leave here. If you felt challenged today, that is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Did you know most of the time that Jesus preached, when he left, they were all like, huh? Hey, what did he say? I mean, when he finally said, drink my blood and eat my flesh, most of them are like, that's it, dude. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The Bible says, and from that day, not many followed him. I mean, can you imagine? You want, you want to be a part of the kingdom? Drink my, I mean, that would freak a lot of us out. Like, this dude? 
This is before zombie movies and vampire movies became cool. And you're telling me, drink your blood. I'm, dude, dude, I'm gone. That's all, I mean, literally a lot of them are like, wait a minute, did he say that? That is sacrilegious. What you, because, they didn't, because they didn't have the mind of the kingdom. They didn't have the mind of the spirit to understand what he was saying. And that's why it was so revelatory when he said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Amen. It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to influence culture. You can't influence culture if you don't have enough power then you to influence your own mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Is it really 1225? I did that on purpose because the first, the, the first at 3 o'clock, and Jimmy will tell me, and Robin will tell me, because I tell me it ain't the truth, at 3 o'clock is when the black churches get to the restaurants. At, at 1215, is it true? I'm trying to tell you, at 1215 is when the Southern Baptists get, and I love all of them. I've preached for them too. It's when the Southern Baptists get there. So I preached to 1230, so by the time you get to Logan's, you pull up and a table is spread. My God. <laughs> Don't make me get my Pentecost on. I can do that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I timed this just right. I wanted you just enough uncomfortable that you're like, I'm challenged, but comfortable enough to come back next Sunday. Joey's gone. Look. He, literally, look, his body is facing the doors. All you guys say is the word Logan's, and the dude is out. He checks out on me. He's one of my closest friends. I can't get him to listen for five more minutes. <laughs> He's like, he knows we got guests here too. We eating today. We eating today. Jacob's like, Daddy, wrap it up. <laughs> you know what time it is. You're more than you think you are. You have more ability than you think you do. You are a creator. I want you to hear the voice of God this week. I, I, want, I want you to stand with me, and I want you to say this. Stand up with me. I want everybody to stand. I'm going to let you go. If you don't stand, I'm going to preach 47 more minutes. Father, you don't have to repeat after me word for word, but this is the essential prayer that I want you to pray. Father, I pray by your spirit that you reveal this truth to my heart that you break it down to where I can understand it, that you break it down to where I can receive it. If it has to be cut up into tiny, small pieces, that's okay. Lord, be it done unto me only according to your word. If it's not your word, I wholeheartedly reject it and will not walk in it. But if it's possible that there's a facet of you that I've not seen yet, I pray that you open my mind, open my heart, and open my eyes to see you as you really are because only in seeing you as you really are will I become to understand myself as I really am. Reveal yourself to me, Spirit. Last time I checked, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and the door will be opened. And for everyone that asks, receives. And everyone that seeks, finds. And everyone that knocks, to him will the door be opened. It's your scripture. Here's another one. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the glory or the honor of kings to search them out. You want to wear the crown of authority in God's kingdom? Then you need to go out and do some searching. God wants to play hide and seek, and you're it. So go find him. 
He might not be where you thought he was. He probably is not where you thought he was. And he almost certainly is not going to look like what you thought he looked like. But when you see him, it's going to change you and you're going to become like him for you'll see him as he is. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your church. I pray right now every sickness dies before they leave the door. I pray right now every infirmity leaves before they hit the door. I declare right now this is a holy, holistic church, and there'll be not one feeble one among us. I declare it to be so. I prophesy it as a man of God for it to be so, and I speak as a son of my father and say there will be not one feeble one among us. Lord, I thank you for those that came up last night. I even know there were some that came to be prayed for that they weren't seen and they thought they were forgotten, but they were not forgotten. You're going to bring their family in. You're going to cause their spouses to come. In the name of Jesus, I declare fullness and wholeness in this body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.